I love this church. I love your pastor and his wife, and uh, I love everything about Bailey's Grove Baptist Church and schools. And by the way, let me say this: if you don't, if you have children of school age and you don't have them in Bailey's Grove Baptist schools, you're making a huge mistake. I, I cannot even begin to tell you. Uh, and I, I thought about preaching about the Christian school again today, and the, or the evils of the public school, and they are evil. Uh, but uh, I, I just felt like. Uh, God was leading me in another direction, but uh, get your if you have kids in public school, get them out of a public school and get them in Bailey's Grove. Uh, it uh, you'll never you'll never regret that. Uh, turn to First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen and verse one. First Samuel chapter seventeen and verse one. I've been two days with your uh, the teachers, the faculty, and staff at the at the schools, and uh, we've just had a, a wonderful time of fellowship and learning together. And uh, we've we've just been a, a great two days there. And and uh, I, I wish it were longer because I just enjoy being here and around those those teachers. And uh, so, <clears throat> okay, First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen and verse one. Before I, we get into that. <laughs> In recent years, we've been exposed to a lot of new terms on the news and in the papers and so forth. Uh, one being fake news, uh, another disinformation. These are words I had not heard in years gone by. Misinformation. I didn't know there was a difference, but apparently there is. Uh, misspoke, uh, deep fake. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce this, but it's malinformation, false connection, misleading content, manipulation, fabrication, fibs, white lies, and of course, uh, a word that's not new to us, and that is lies. Now, there are, there are in our society many, many terms to describe what a lie is. Uh, but there's only one way to d- uh, define what a truth is, and that is Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, no one can come to the Father except through him or by him. So there are lies, many, many lies, and then there is truth. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And uh, so look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, uh, I wish I had started on verse 2 because of these words here. But now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. And uh, they were gathered together at Shukoff, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shukoff and Azaha in North Carolina, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know what that is. But uh, I don't even really want to pronounce that. But um, verse 2, it says, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now, when armies face each other, they have what's called an order of battle. And the order of battle uh, puts different parts of the army in a proper order for the attack or for the defense. And so that's what they were doing. In verse 3 it says, The Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, which he was a little over nine foot tall. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. 
uh, or armor, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. So he had, he had plenty of armor to protect himself. And the staff of his spear, verse 7, was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Now here's the situation. The, the Philistines are on one side of the valley. The, uh, the Hebrew children are on the other side. Israel is on, one, on the other side. And uh, Goliath comes out day after day after day challenging the army. Jesse, who was David's father, he already had three sons. The three oldest sons were in the army already. He sends David down to the army, and he says, David, I want you to join the army. And so he joins up and, and becomes part of the army uh, on his father's say-so. And uh, in verse uh, 8, I'm sorry, go back to verse, uh, go back to verse, uh, yeah, 8, verse 8. It says, He stood and cried, and this is Goliath, unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, a champion, by definition, we think of a champion as being first place or the the winner of the World Series or the winner of a boxing match or whatnot. But a champion, by definition, if you look it up in the dictionary, a champion means one who fights for another. And in this case, Goliath said, I'm going to fight. You send a guy out here, and he and I will fight. And whoever wins, wins the war. It's really a very efficient way to, to fight a war because you've got, you got two guys fighting, and one's going to become a casualty, and one's going to be the victor. Uh, they're both champions because they're fighting for their army. But uh, only one casualty in the whole war, and so you either win or lose based upon one man. And, of course, the Philistines had this nine-foot giant, and they, they were absolutely certain that, uh, that they were going to win. And you know what happened. Uh, uh, David took his sling, put some stones in it, and just swung it around and, and uh, slung it at the giant. It hit him in the forehead, and he just fell over. I looked up uh, slings. Uh, they're thinking about making sling throwing uh, an Olympic sport. And uh, the best sling throwers today in the world can hit a target uh, 500 feet away, a 12-inch target with their sling, and that thing will travel at an intense amount of speed. Of course, it's a very round silver uh, bullet today. But, but in any event, uh, David kills Goliath. And what happens? Well, we see that the, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And, of course, as they fled to, toward Gath, the Hebrew army raced after them and slaughtered them as they fled. And they came back and they spoiled or they went into their tents and took everything that was in their tents. But here's the lesson and here's the truth. And, and basically everything from here on in is going to be some kind of an illustration about this one truth. And the truth is this, don't expect your enemies to tell you the truth. They are going to lie to you. And if someone lies to you, he is your enemy. And you can expect your enemy to, to lie to you. He, wants, he hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to 
effectively remove you as a testimony in the community. He wants to destroy everything about you and your family. And you have to know and expect that your enemy is going to lie to you. Uh, Recently, Congress passed a bill called the Inflation Reduction Act. And it didn't reduce any inflation. Matter of fact, it added to the inflation. It was a lie. And what Congress is doing nowadays is they're putting a funny name, a fancy name that everybody can buy into on a bill, and the bill is completely the opposite of what the name is. They're lying to you. And your enemies will lie to you. It happens all the time. Uh, The um, education system is no different. They have begun what, and if you look it up uh, in your uh, Asheville Community Schools, they have what is called social-emotional learning. Now, that sounds pretty good. Uh, just what's wrong with being social? And, and of course, everybody wants the, everybody's got emotions and social-emotional learning. But here's the definition of it. It's the processing of developing self-awareness. In other words, you... The child develops awareness of himself or herself, self-control, and interpersonal skills. In other words, being able to have, uh, being able to relate to other people, uh, and these skills are vital for school, work, and life success. Now, it sounds like a pretty good definition, but the bottom line is all this is is gender awareness. It is making the child aware of himself or herself whether she or he is a he or a she, and, and then uh, responding to that gender awareness uh, th- that they're trying to push on the children. It is a, a wicked, wicked, wicked uh, lie to our, to our children and our families, and this is going on in the schools right here in Ashboro. Now, you think, no, it's not happening. I haven't heard of that. You may not have heard it, but it's, it's going on, I guarantee you. And uh, it's going on in every community. By the way, uh, I probably shouldn't go into this because I might go off on a tangent, but but Common Core uh, was instituted under the administration of uh, uh, Barack Obama. It came into being. And Common Core, the idea is to have the curriculum common throughout the entire country. And every school and every school district in the country would have the same curriculum. That means that whatever they're teaching in Asheboro, they're teaching in Chicago, whatever they're teaching in San Francisco and Los Angeles, they're teaching here in Asheboro. Everybody has this curriculum in common. And education wasn't meant to be that way. Education was supposed to be local, controlled by the local school boards. Uh, but uh, they, have, they have brought in things that, that you do not agree with, we do not agree with, and they are lies uh, and they're designed to destroy you. Uh, Congress recently passed a Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, we all respect marriage. Uh, my wife and I have been married, uh, we'll be 52 years this year, and I respect marriage. And, uh, but uh, re- the Respect for Marriage Act is, a, is an act that respects husband and wife, husband and husband, wife and wife, husband and animal, uh, a- husband and plant. Uh, it allows for marriage of anybody and anything, anywhere, under any circumstances. It's not a respect for marriage. It's a disrespect right. for God and a disrespect for marriage. Right. Now, your enemy is going to try to destroy you through these lies, and you've got to count on it. Uh, let's bring it a little closer to home. Uh, we've got a number of uh, young teenage girls here today. Uh, <clears throat> when a boy tells you he loves you, 
he may or may not love you. You have to try to figure out whether he's lying to you or telling you the truth. Now, uh, when my daughters were dating, uh, I always went on the dates with them. And I'm not much fun on a double date, believe me. Uh, but uh, but I would go on the dates with him because I could tell from the I could tell whether that boy loved my daughter or not. Love is giving. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's the definition of love is giving. And the more a person gives, the more he loves. And uh, the more he loves, the more he's going to give to the per- the object of his love. And if a boy says he loves you, but he's trying to steal from your purity. He does not love you. He's taking from you. He's lying to you. He's trying to destroy you. If a boy tries to to take from your reputation, he doesn't love you. He's lying to you. And so you girls be very, very careful. Just because a boy says he loves you, if he loves you, he's going to add to your reputation. He's going to add to your enjoyment in life. He's going to make you feel better about yourself. He's going to make you feel about, better about God. Uh, he's, going to, he's going to add everything he can to your life because he loves you. But if he doesn't, he's going to take. And you've got to be very, very careful. Uh, he's your enemy if he lies. And if he's lying to you, he wants to destroy you. And many a young lady has had her life ruined and wrecked and destroyed because of the lies of their enemy. Now, ultimately, the enemy here is Satan. And Satan has entered into the the person who's lying to you. And uh, again, he's trying to destroy you. Now, we sometimes think that uh, another lie that we we believe is that things will bring us joy or happiness. Uh, Boy, if I just had a new car, if if I just had a new washing machine, or if I had uh, a new, my house remodeled, or if I had a new house or a bigger house. And so what happens is we will go into debt to get something new and bigger and better. Uh, and we become a slave to the lender. Uh, I've got, in my pocket, I've got, a, I've got a, just a wallet full of credit cards. Uh, and uh, I used one credit card for, uh, for uh, one thing and another for, I have, I have one credit card I use when I travel. So I know whatever my expenses are when I travel. And I've got another uh, card that I just use for savings. But uh, I, when, I, when I charge something on a credit card, I pay that off every Friday. Every single Friday, I pay off what it is that I purchased uh, because I don't want to go into debt for any reason. I've been in debt. I've been a slave to the credit card companies. You're going to pay between 20 and 30% interest on a credit card. So you go buy something for $100, you're going to pay $100 back to the credit card company plus another $20. And as time goes on, you become a slave to that credit card company. And what happens is you're not able to do the will of God because you're, you're a slave to somebody else. You're a slave to Visa or MasterCard. And uh, when I was finally able to uh, work my way out of debt, and by the way, if you're in debt now, uh, you need to work your way out of it. F- f- talk to the pastor and get some advice and counseling. But get out of debt because when you get out of debt, then you can do things with that money that are good for God. Uh, recently... Uh, Pastor uh, Wilkerson had a um, he presented a need to the church and uh, and it was I think it was to buy a bus or something for a, a missionary in Honduras and so he, he asked the, the people in the church you have can you donate some money and uh, who will donate something and and I raised my hand I just so happened I had five hundred dollars in my bank uh, in my savings account 
And so I said, I'll give $500. Now, I felt very, very good about that. Uh, I mean, it just it wasn't a selfish pride, but I just felt good that I was able to help this missionary. And I couldn't have done that if I was, if I was making credit card payments to Visa or MasterCard. Your ability to be debt-free allows you to give to the Lord uh, when the need is presented to you. And it, it, it's a good feeling to be able to do that. It's a terrible feeling to be sitting there knowing that you can't afford to even give a $10 bill because you've got to make credit card payments uh, uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. Next, your enemy will, and this kind of goes along with this, your enemy will whisper in your ear that you cannot afford to tithe. Uh, there are people in this room, and I know that's it's the case, and I don't know what the statistics are, but but uh, there are people that tithe and people that don't. Now, the tithe, of course, is 10% of what you earn goes to, or what your increase is goes back to the Lord. And that's his money, not ours. And it, it's uh, many, many people, uh, and I don't know what percentage it is, but many people feel like they cannot afford to tithe. I can't. The truth is you cannot afford not to tithe. Uh, God, it's it's pretty simple, really. Um, God gives us blessings and he gives us curses. Blessings are good things that come from God. Blessings, uh, curses are bad things that come from God. And if we obey God, he's going to bless us. If we disobey God, he's going to curse us. It's just that simple. You know, if you... uh, if you have a child and that child is constantly disobeying you, uh, you're not going to give that child uh, extra blessings. Uh, and and that's, that's the way that God is with us. Uh, we're his children. And so Satan is telling you, you cannot afford to tithe. Uh, but if you don't tithe, God's going to get that 10% one way or another. It just, uh, it just goes without saying. Uh, it's pretty simple. Your enemy hates you. He wants you to walk around the community. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to uh, uh, feel like, uh, like you're disobedient to God. And by the way, the one thing God wants more than any other thing from us is our obedience in, in every area of our life. Another lie that Satan's going to tell you is it's okay to gamble. And, uh, and I don't know if you have casinos around here. I imagine you do. Every state in the country just about is, is, uh, is, is trying to uh, get extra money through the gambling uh, of its citizens. But uh, it's not... It's not Christian, it's not right to gamble. It's not right to take money, and some people who are who aren't tithing are taking God's money to gamble. Uh, and I've seen Christians even buy lottery tickets, and that's wrong. You know, your chances of winning the lottery are zero. Uh, you, you, there's just no way you're going to win. Now you say, well, somebody's got to win. Yes, somebody does, but you've got to, about one in two million or ten million chances of, of winning. I looked it up. Uh, if you buy a $2 lottery ticket, it takes, uh, the, the, the statistics are that it takes 18 uh, times, every 18 times uh, on a $2 lottery ticket, uh, you will win $5. And so you, you're going to end up spending um, uh, $36 to win $5. And so it, there's, there's no way to win. And if you go to a casino, and I've never been in a casino, but the casinos are made for them to make money. You cannot win going to a casino. Uh, you will always lose. Now, you may win a little bit of money, and if you win a little bit of money and walk away, that's one thing. But nobody does that. They go there, they win a little bit of money, and then they lose all their money again. Uh, you will always lose. And uh, so 
uh, you're just uh, uh, you're just not very smart if you think gambling is a way to, to uh, increase your retirement income. Uh, the uh, another lie, and this this happens so often. Satan comes up to you and says, it's, it's, it's not a big deal if you miss church today. Uh, there may be a sporting event or maybe some family event or maybe you want to go to this Disney World or something. I don't know. But, uh, but it's okay to miss church service. And you may be able to get away with it once, but you're going to miss something that the pastor has and God has prepared for you. And Satan's going to keep you from getting it. We had a, a student years ago. And uh, on Sunday morning, this student went fishing. Uh, it was up in Tennessee, I believe. And uh, he went fishing in, in this river. He had a kind of an inner tube thing that he put around his waist. And he was, he was casting in the river. And he was floating down the river. And he hit some rocks. And he tipped, the inner tube tipped over like this. And he was head first down between some rocks, his feet up in the air. And the water was rushing over the top of him, forcing him down into the rocks. And he drowned in about three feet of water on a Sunday morning. Now, that was tragic, but if he had been in church where he should have been, he wouldn't have drowned that day. Now, he may have died some other way. He may have been in a car accident on the way home. But I know for certain that he would not have drowned if he was in church. I've never known anybody to drowned in the baptistry yet. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but Satan will tell you it's no big deal if you don't go to church. It's no big deal if you miss Wednesday night. There's no place in the Bible that says you have to go to church on Wednesday night or perhaps even Sunday night. You know, you, there's all sorts of excuses why you don't need to go to church. But the, but the bottom line is that uh, the church is, God has given us the church for a reason, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, another uh, friend of mine was, uh, matter of fact, I'd led this man to the Lord on my bus route, and he became my bus uh, driver, and, and we were on the bus together for, oh, I guess five, six years together, and we made a good team, and we won a bunch of bus contests and things like that, and all of a sudden, uh, on a Saturday when we normally went calling, he didn't show up. He wasn't anywhere around, and I went to the house, and his wife said he went golfing. And apparently he and another deacon went golfing together on a Saturday morning and skipped the calling. Well, he was, he was in, he rode the, drove the bus the next day, the following week. He wasn't there for calling either. He skipped uh, church on Sunday and I, I never saw him again. He completely backslid and left, left the church. I saw him about 10 years later. He had a different wife. He had, his children were with his wife. He hadn't seen his children in years. Uh, and his whole life was changed and, I'll say, literally destroyed uh, just because uh, he dropped out of church. Uh, it's, it's very easy. When you, when you make a decision to do something, there is always a consequence. And you're gonna, if you don't come to church, you're going to miss something that God has for you. Uh, or you're going to do something uh, outside of church that you shouldn't be doing. And uh, so there are always going to be consequences, and you don't know what those consequences are. And it's tragic to see what happens to people who drop out of church. It, uh, and maybe some of you are like that. I don't know. But uh, if you are, God's not telling you to stay home. God's not telling you it's okay. It's your enemy that's telling you that. Another lie that this, you're going to have uh, that you're going to be faced with is uh, it's okay to take one drink or one beer. Uh, and uh, 
I don't know of anybody in our church that drinks, but uh, I'm sure there are some people that uh, will. But uh, I've never known anybody to take one drink. Uh, I've known somebody to take his first drink and drink much after that. But uh, uh, drinking is, is a horrible, horrible... You might as well just take a shot of whiskey... Uh, of. Uh, Gasoline and drink that because that's what you're doing to your body is you're putting alcohol into your body. I was in the I was in the hospital uh, about a week or so ago. I had a slight problem, and I was sitting in the you know how they put you in a little they put you in a bed and there's a kind of a uh, curtain around you and the next guy over here is in a, he's in his little curtain there and and uh, uh, and I was, so I was sitting there with my wife it was about uh, 11 o'clock at night and they brought a guy in next to me who was having chest pains and the doctor said how old are you and he said I'm 53 and uh, the, the doc said uh, have you ever had a heart attack he said yeah I had one when I was 35 but that was for drugs like that was okay you know and, uh, and he said have you, ever, uh, have you ever had a stroke and he said yeah I had one about three years ago and now this, he's 53 years of age now, and I'm sitting next to him. I'm 76 years of age, and uh, he says, uh, he says, uh, the doc says, uh, do you uh, do you smoke? He says, yeah, a pack, maybe two packs a day. Uh, do you do drugs? He said, well, just marijuana. Like, okay, that's that's okay then, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it was just one thing after another. He's 53 years of age, and he's destroying his body. Uh, now, cigarette smoking is not cool. Drinking is not cool. There's nothing good about it, and Satan's going to tell you that it is okay. Uh, uh, and he's your enemy. Um, so be, be aware of that. By the way, uh, there's this new thing that's come out in the last, I guess, the last three, four years called vaping. And uh, originally, vaping was designed to help people quit smoking. And it's basically uh, an instrument that has nicotine in it, and it, it, you smoke that nicotine, and it, uh, you get the nicotine addiction from that smoke, but you don't get the tar that uh, is so dangerous from a cigarette. And, and when it first came out, it was really billed as a health uh, uh, thing, and uh, they tried to get uh, Medicare to pay for it. But, but uh, vaping, anytime you put something in your lungs... What you put in your lungs is going to go to your blood, and it goes from your blood to your brain, and it goes to your organs, and we haven't seen the end of this thing. Matter of fact, we, we don't really know what marijuana does to the body, but we're going to find out during this next generation. Uh, and your enemy is more than willing to destroy you, and he's going to tell you, go ahead and vape. It's not as bad as cigarettes, uh, but, uh, but he's trying to destroy you. By the way, abortion is not health care. But they, they've, they've changed the definition of what health care is, and they say that abortion is health care. It wasn't God that told you that. It was Satan. And he's more than willing to kill your baby uh, or the, the next generation of babies, and we're just, we're just committing the most wicked sin that any nation could because we believe this lie. Uh, and, and let me say this now. I'm, I'm going to probably step on somebody's toes, and I, I apologize up front. But there's nothing cool about a tattoo. Uh, I, I hate to say it. Uh, my wife and I went on a cruise about, t- I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, somebody gave us a free cruise. We'd never been on one, and so, he, so we went on this thing. I had never seen more 
drawings on more weird places, uh, on more weird people. Uh, there's just there's nothing cool about it. And there's, there's going to come a day when you're going to regret having put that tattoo on you. And I, I hate to see our, our kids graduate from high school and they, they get to be a certain age, and they, they, they think having a tattoo is cool. I saw a, a lady today, and, and by the way, when they have tattoos, they always have sleeveless outfits on. But she had the most hideous skull on her arm, and I thought, what is so wrong with your body that you think putting this skull on your arm is going to make you look prettier? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense, but... God didn't tell her to get that tattoo. Who did? It had to have been Satan. It had to have been the devil himself. And uh, and, I, and if you've got a tattoo, I'm, you know I'm not, I'm not talking about you. You know I I did things when I before I was saved that uh, I, I regret. Uh, the uh, but let me just read this verse Leviticus: You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. So tattoos are not right. They're not cool. Uh, and if, if uh, you know, I've asked kids, why did you get that tattoo? And he, well, I just wanted to. Well, that's not a good enough reason. Uh, in in my years of teaching, I've come to, uh, I've wanted to always know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And if you cannot explain to God a reasonable way why you got that tattoo, then you shouldn't get it. Uh, know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry, my dad had a tattoo, and it really was a cool tattoo. I thought it was a dagger with a, with a snake and, uh, and an eagle on that. But when he was 70 years old, it, it looked like a dead crow on the highway. And it, just, it, was, it was anything but cool. And it was just, just, a, just a fade. It like, looked like somebody had spilled coffee on the dining room table or something. Uh, it's not always going to be that way. Okay, now we'll get off of that. But uh, <clears throat> uh, devil's going to come to you, ladies, and tell you, uh, give you a, an idea about wearing such and such that's not right, and you're going to say to yourself, "Well, I don't see anything wrong with wearing," and just you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, low top, high skirts, uh, you know, just uh, something immodest. Uh, and God's not telling you that. God wants you to protect your modesty. And, uh, and it, 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 it's not the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you when you wear something that, uh, that God doesn't want you to, to wear. Uh, God's going to tell you, and by the way, when I was talking about the public schools, I'm sure somebody was saying to themselves, uh, no, I don't believe that. Public schools aren't that bad. Our public schools are okay. Uh, Asheboro uh, is, is fine. I know a public school teacher, or I know a Christian who teaches in a public school. Take it from me, the public schools are bad. If you, if you, if you don't want to take my, my word for it, go down to your local public school, go down to Asheboro High School, and ask to see their curriculum. They're not going to let you see it. Ask to see their sex education curriculum. They don't, it's online. Students have to have a password to get their sex education curriculum. You cannot see what they're teaching your kids. Uh, and, it's, and, and even if it's even if the curriculum is in the book looks okay, there are things that they are not teaching them that they should be, like patriotism and uh, and uh, the, uh, the the good things about the founding of our nation. And there are things that they are teaching them that have nothing to do with the textbook. 
I know from experience that no matter what the curriculum is in the textbook, the teacher can do anything he or she wants when the principal's not in the classroom. And so that's why you have to have good, godly, God-fearing teachers in the classroom like you have at Bailey's Grove. Uh, so <clears throat> just get your kids out of the public school. Another lie that, they're, that Satan's going to tell you is that divorce will be the answer to some of your problems. Divorce is never the answer. Uh, now, I'm not going to teach on divorce tonight. Uh, that's probably uh, something your pastor should teach you about. Uh, but, uh, but divorce is never the answer. And uh, in, in my years of dealing with uh, children and parents, every time there's a divorce, it's a tragedy. And it just tears those kids up inside. Now, they will... They will adjust to the divorce, and they will adjust to the fighting and, and, and all the things that go on in a divorce. But inside, they are just hurting unbelievable. And, uh, and so divorce is never the answer, and it's not God that's telling you that. Uh, it is Satan. Now, the question is, how do we know the difference between truth and a lie? Well, God gave us four ways to figure it out, and... Uh, uh, one of the ways is your pastor. God gave us a pastor uh, and, uh, and a church in, in which to learn truth. And that's why you're here tonight. Uh, and I hope you, you feel like you're getting something, uh, some area of truth from this lesson. But uh, you listen to the preaching, and God will speak to you through the preaching. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So God gives us a church to go to and a preacher, and he gives us then a Bible in which we can get truth. So between the church and the Bible, we've got a tremendous amount of truth. And then he gives us the ability to speak to him. We have the ability. You saw the teachers here, and the people were praying for them. Uh, but we pray to God, and that's us speaking to God. But when we meditate, God speaks to us. And so when we pray, meditation should always be part of our prayer time. My wife and I, we, uh, we, start, we started a, a schedule a few years ago, and uh, we, we go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. That's just our routine. Almost every night, 10 o'clock, we're in bed. And if, if I'm not in bed by 10 o'clock, my mind just shuts down automatically anyway. But uh, uh, so we, we get in bed, turn the lights out, we hold hands, Monday night, we pray. We got five kids, so we pray for each one of our kids' families Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then uh, and we pray then for their, for their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. And then if there's a special need, uh, we'll pray for that person uh, also. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we'll pray for our needs, and we'll pray for the needs of other friends of ours and people that... Uh, you know, you know, pray for all the missionaries. You know how that goes. Uh, but uh, and, and I've got a prayer app on my phone, and uh, where I keep all my prayer requests. But uh, we've got a schedule, and and we we allow ourselves time for the for God to speak to us. Now, the fourth way that we learn truth from from lies is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy God, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. When I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to teach you all things. And, uh, and he will. The Holy Spirit speaks to us if we're walking with God. You go to church, you read your Bible, you have a prayer time and meditation time, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. But you're going to have to be quiet 
It's going to have to be time when you allow God to speak to you. You can't sit there and listen to talk radio or Fox News and expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the through the tube. Uh, it's got to be a quiet time. And there are many times uh, that I've done something or said something, and uh, uh, and my wife says, "Why did you do that?" And I said, "I don't know. The, the Holy Spirit just I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do it." Uh, when I gave that $500, she looked at me and she, she says, why did you do that? And uh, I said, I don't know. The, the Holy Spirit just told me to do it. And uh, and I, I have tried to be responsive when a thought comes into my mind. And uh, and I'm sure that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I've tried to be responsive to him. Now, I'm not always. It's not like I'm you know, a, a perfect Christian by any stretch of the imagination. But between the preaching of the gospel in the church and the teaching of my pastor uh, and the, the Bible and the prayer time and the Holy Spirit, I'm able to discern truth from lies most of the time. Now, there are once in, once in a while I'll get, I'll get uh, caught uh, by, uh, by a lie. And, and uh, I, you know, a few years ago, I, I, somebody called me and said, hey, uh, we just uh, this is uh, so and so from such and such computer company. We just got word that somebody's downloading all your data on your computer and all your credit card information and so on and so forth. And uh, and uh, we can stop it for you if you pay us X number of dollars. I don't remember what it was. It was several hundred dollars. And I said, well, I can't afford that. And so she said, just a minute. She went and talked to her boss. Came back. He said, he, we can do it for two hundred dollars. And I said, well, boy, how do I do it? And so she said, go to the, go to the store, get a, get a uh, gift card, and call us with a number for the gift card. And so I, I dumb me, I went, to the, I went to Walgreens, and I wanted to get a couple gift cards. And she said, what do you want them for? And I, so I told her, and she said, hey, buddy, that's a scam. And, uh, and, and I've talked to other people that have been party to that, or have, have gotten hooked on that. Uh, you can still get lied to if you're not careful. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, now I, I really am watching out for the scams. But, uh, but uh, you've got you to gotta learn the difference between a lie and truth. This is truth. All right? And Satan is spreading the lies, and he's trying to destroy you. And all this message is, is just, to, it's just to, to try to warn you. That, uh, that you're going to be destroyed if you listen to Satan's lies. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I, I know this was not an um, earth-shattering message, and it wasn't one that was going to lift us.